Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think the other thing that I love about the dynamic of our relationship and what I have with a lot of other people and a lot of them happen to be women in this industry is that we support each other, but we're also real with each other. So like if your product is not the best, I'm going to go to the other guy, but I'm also going to let you know, hey, you got to step your game up in this. That's what support looks like. And I think some people would look at it like, well, I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to critique them. But I know I can come to both of you and be candid and open. And it's like this mutually beneficial. You're going to tell me about me. I'm going to tell you about you. and We're going to all push to be better. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. So we're coming off of almost, I would say it's a year and a half since the language of the great resignation. And talent all of a sudden, especially in tech and in consumer brands, have realized it's actually quite tough to get a job right now. That it is. There are always these cycles that we see of whether the employer-employee has the leverage. And right now, the employer does have the leverage. The great resignation was not all it was cracked up to be. Turns out earning a paycheck might be a good idea. I think the question becomes now, what are the skills that you need to be successful and have a career longevity? We spend a lot of time, Sarah, you and I, studying great leaders and understanding the career moves that they make to set themselves up for success. And we always ask this question at the end of every episode, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? And many of the folks we've had on the show talk about big career decisions that they've made, often unsexy ones, ones that felt like a risk that in the end set them up for success. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what got us to make an exception and invite Diane Housling to be back on the podcast. Because when she last was with us, she was at a job specifically in digital commerce at Campbell's. And now she's ostensibly, I think her official title is SVP and GM at Colgate, but she's ostensibly the CMO. So what are the things that somebody like Diana did in order to create that path? And there's always either bravery or sometimes it's the stuff that people don't talk about. It's doing the jobs nobody wants. It's stepping into things that might seem really messy and murky. I mean, when we think about some of our earlier episodes, even Rachel, 
think of the people we talked to that were leading e-com. They all came from these weirdo backgrounds because it was a misfit crew. Then they became the most important people because everybody's like, ah, I don't do e-commerce. And now the Swiss army knife of what you need to have in order to grow from here, it requires a lot more tools than, than was there before. And so those rinky-dink jobs that you took in, in the past that nobody else wanted, those are the things that are actually more valuable now. Well, if you know Sarah and I, we are known for saying Diana Hostling for president. So you're in for a real treat to understand and get in the mindset of this woman who is going to continue to soar and understand the moves that she's making to benefit her career, her family, and her greater community. Today, we have the woman, the legend, and a repeat Brave Commerce guest, Diana Hausling, who is now Senior Vice President, General Manager of Consumer Growth and Experience at Colgate Palmolive. I said that three times fast before we started, and I messed it up every time. So, Diana, basically, she runs the world. Let's just like call it what it is. Rach, when you're being asked, like, who do you talk to about all things CPG, commerce, marketing, holistic, like who's in your top three? I've been advocating Diana for president probably since 2020. (laughs) I'm still campaigning. I really believe it. I've said it in many forums. I truly believe that Diana Hosling is going all the way to the top of whatever Fortune 1000 company she chooses to. Your lips, put it out there. Let's manifest it. Let's Oprah this shit. (laughs) We have been. Well, we don't do repeat guests too often. But when we do, it's with purpose. And there are a couple of purposes in, in inviting you to come back. So first of all, thanks for doing this a second time. The last time you were here, we had just started the podcast and you were at a different job, at a different company. You have since moved to a new job and then have been promoted in both title, but also in breadth of responsibility around here. And we're hoping that today we can kind of unpack for other people what it takes to advancing your career, things to be afraid of, things not to be afraid of, and conversations like that. So this is a little bit less about commerce, although commerce was the underpinning of it all, but actually a little bit more about bravery today. So we're going to be leaning into bravery, speaking to an expert in commerce. That work for this crew? You guys cool with that? Love it. All right. So you've got a pretty freaking awesome job right now. This is not official HR speak at Colgate, but you're basically the CMO. So you've got a pretty coveted job, but you also have like this theme in your career of taking jobs that nobody wants. And so can you like square that out? Because this is a job I would guess a lot of people want. What's the story? First of all, thank you both for having me and having me back again. You know, I am an avid listener of the podcast, so I feel very privileged to be back on the platform. And I greatly appreciate both of you for that. And thank you for all the kind words. I need to start my day off like this every day, just so I have like the fuel to keep going. It's the um, so- Daily Diana. That's going to be the spinoff of our podcast. And I just want to add that as much as you all both will be my hype woman, you're also the ones that will tell me to get my life together. So I also appreciate that as well, too, because the balance, the balance is key. Something I'll touch on, too, which is critical for just staying grounded and being able to push forward is to have 
people like that who will tell you that you're awesome when you need it, but also tell you to get your shit together when you need it too. But so right now I have the honor and the privilege of leading the consumer experience and growth team at Colgate Palmolive, which means nothing to you. It's a new group, even within Colgate. And what I think is really cool about Colgate is it's a 217-year-old company that you would think would not do something innovative like this and take a, a leap. But as we had conversations and specifically with my boss, Jesper, the president of North America around what it was going to take to get us to grow and get us going for the next 217 years, the way we have been doing it from a Colgate perspective, but more so from an industry perspective is not going to work, especially with the growth of digital commerce and just the evolution and the really pivotal shift that we're having right now as a culture, a global culture. We really looked at what would it take? And I remember when Jesper talked to me about this, he was like, think about it, not just from what you think the company has an appetite for, but what will it actually take for us to move the needle to the next level? And so I really worked with him and secretly calling my phone of friends, including Sarah, on how I could pull something together that created the right amount of healthy tension, but also addressed areas that were stagnant from us as an organization and pushed us forward. So my group, we sit within the marketing organization. I'm the global point for marketing for North America. And the group is focused on what I would call integrated marketing, traditional integrated marketing. So think of that as like brand experience, media, social, content, digital commerce, which has D2C, it has our pure play team. It has our digital commerce PL and strategy. And then where it gets a little, a little bit interesting, there's insights, data and advanced analytics, and also RGM as a part of the group. And if you think about all those things, you may think like none of those things go together. They're not really connected. But the part that connects them all is our obsession with people and putting people at the center of it. So if you think about what does the right brief look like, how do you brief across multiple business units? So you're getting every element that the consumer engages with from the price point to the insights around the actual innovation in the product to the activation, and you're getting that all right, and you're putting them at the center of it. That's what this group was designed in order to do. So that was a lot. What made it so that I was in the right place at the right time to be able to lead this group is because of the experiences I've had throughout my career that make me uniquely positioned to be able to lead a team of this nature. No way do I claim to be an expert across any of these functions, but I've worked across them. I've done projects across them that put me in the unique position of when a major organization was looking for somebody that could drive change, but also understood the operational discipline. I was just in a prime position to be able to be that person that had the privilege to lead that group. So that was a lot. <laughs> it's incredible to watch your trajectory, especially from Campbell's. That's where you and I met. And when I hear your entire remit at Colgate, in my mind, it's at least 5x the size of what you were doing at Campbell's. And so how did you build the internal confidence to say, I can freaking do this? You know, the funny part of that is I don't have that internal confidence in myself. I'm actually very much an insecure person who presents very confident. But what I've actually learned to do is to do it anyway. So I'm very risk averse and I have a lot of fear when it comes to professional moves, but even things that I navigate in my personal life. But what I found is I do it anyway. And I do this exercise that I also coach people on what's the worst that can happen okay, what's the worst that can happen? I can lose my job. 
as you go through it, you find like the worst that can happen is actually not that bad. Like I'm not going to end up in the corner eating my hair. In some way, shape or form, I will be able to navigate the worst that can happen. So that's enabled me to really be able to do the things that scare me. Now, because I'm so risk averse, I actually do a lot of work to prepare for things. I prepare for the risk, the bad thing by default. It's actually a running joke for a lot of the folks on my team, especially if you ever traveled with me. I'm a very much so a safety girl. It's really around making sure you have the right conversation. You secure the right networks, the right board of directors that you can call and phone a friend and check in. So before even designing this team, I called multiple people that I trust, including Sarah, to get their perspective. People who have unique and different perspectives I called Yinrani, who led a similar type of organization at Campbell's to get her perspective as well, too. And it's not that it's a formula or a playbook, but getting the perspective, learning from other people's mistakes, which was a big lesson for my parents as I grew up, which was making sure that you shared that vulnerability, not only about what was happening. There's a lot of folks that have houses and we don't talk about what happens in those houses. My parents were really adamant around sharing their experiences partially because they're immigrants, but also because if we don't share those lived experiences, there's not a way for us to learn from them or avoid different things. So I had those kind of lessons and those are things that I instilled in how I approach things. So going into a scenario, I minimize the risk as much as possible, but I also had scenario planned for if shit hit the fan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You push yourself through the fear. You minimize risk. You turn to your personal board of directors. Don't worry. I'm not offended that you didn't call me for that one. That was so yeah. passive aggressive. You're, you're getting named at a different moment in time. I mean, you're going to get your cameo. Your time in the sun is coming. Don't worry. This episode is not about me. But my follow-up question is, how do you convince others to follow you? Because you're a leader of, I don't know how many people are in your organization, but I imagine you tell me a few dozen how do you get them to follow you as you lead? Yeah, so I have a little over 100 folks that are across my team. And I think leading your team, they have to kind of follow you is one thing. I think it's more important to figure out how to get people to follow you without the reporting line. So how are you creating that followership? And a lot of that has to do with trust. So We've talked about this a little bit, but what I've really tried to do is collect experiences along the way. So what are the right experiences, not just job titles and roles? Because you could be very senior and have very little knowledge. But the one thing that helps build my confidence is that I've collected these experiences along the way. 
So that to me, not only makes me credible, but it also allows me to be confident and knowing if somebody is good at something. It's not because I'm better at it than them, but I can identify like that person, they have something. So that ability to identify in somebody else, a spark potential is really important because I can see their potential much more than they can see it in themselves sometimes. And being able to be that mirror for people is a way to build followership. I think the other portion of it is recognizing in a not so romantic way that relationships, especially relationships at work are transactional. So what is the value proposition that I'm giving that individual? Typically, it shifts over to something personal quite quickly because you start to invest in that human being. But if I look at folks that are very smart, very good at what they do, how do I help them get to the next level? How do I connect them to the right point? And how do I give back in the terms of sponsorship the way that I've been given throughout my career? And I found that as I move from role to role, as I move from place to place, the human element of it stays true. And this is where, Rachel, I'll I'll speak a little bit about our dynamic and our relationship. Leaving Campbell's was very scary for me. Leaving all the organizations I was in was scary because you get to a place where you're established, you've built your brand. And I remember having a conversation with you where I was kind of like teetering on the side and your experience is, is so much different than mine and your perspective is so much different, but you made it just seem so simple. Like, you could do that. I mean, I work with these people, all these different people, the different companies, you could do that. And so having somebody be able to say, because it was a bigger role than the role that I had. And I think I had that kind of apprehension, like maybe it's too big for me, or maybe, you know, I need to listen to all the people who tell me I need 10 more experiences before I can go do that thing. But you were so confident in my ability to do that. When you can give that to somebody, when you can give that confidence and empowerment to somebody, they will follow you like that. And it's not because you're being nice to them. It's because you're kind enough to tell them that they're awesome, but you also care enough to tell them how they can be better. And I think that's really what allows people to feel safe following your lead, but also safe to tell you that they disagree with you and that we should take a different path. I love that in terms of spreading confidence to get others to buy in and figure out how you can deliver on their personal value. There's something very kind of interesting in this because on the surface, people would say, oh, Diana, she's a great networker, which is totally true. But I think that there's a very unique way about the way that you establish relationships because you're so transparent and authentic about it. It's like, look, you've got something you want. I've got something I want. Let's just be clear about this. These are the things that motivate me. What are the things that motivate you? And I think that your balancing of vulnerability and confidence is actually really well represented when you talk to people to be a mentor or even in cases where you're a mentee to be able to say, okay, look, let's just put it all out there on the table. Here's what I want. I'm motivated by these three things or this one thing. And I think you've got a lot of the goods that I'm looking for. And I know that you're motivated by these things. That's not about networking. That's not just about like going out and having drinks or going to a spa or doing any of the like BS-y kind of things that are done. It's about actually just putting it all out there, being open and saying, hey, look, ultimately this is where I want to go. And it is amazing how infrequently we see that level of transparency. And I honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why the three of us get along really well is just the, like, there's no bullshit here. Let's just call it what it is. 
I need you to help me do this for this reason. And you need that from me. And let's just talk about it. Like, let's just get it out there. And I think even you saying, I have taken the jobs that nobody else has wanted because I know that that's my unique path to get me to the top. I just think that there's something very special about it that cuts way deeper than things like networking or friendship or just kind of relying on BS barters, if you will. So there's a couple of things in that. First, I'm actually a horrible networker because the whole point of networking is like to build connections and be likable. And when you're very transparent and vulnerable, not rude, not aggressive or abrasive, which sometimes people associate those words with being, but when you put yourself out there, when you actually put your authentic self out there, which by the way, I don't think everybody earns the right to your authentic self, but when you put yourself out there, you're going to have a visceral reaction. There's going to be your people who don't like you. They don't like what you said, how you said it, or what you're about. Those are not your people. But what that level of vulnerability allows you to do is find your people very quickly and do something which I see the two of you do really well, which is build community. But the networking part, the the going for likability is just not something that I've ever been very good at because of the fact that I have just such a strong value construct that it's really hard for me to stay connected and be able to kiki with you if I just don't have that level of respect for you and your value system. So that makes me not the best networker in the world. But what it does allow me to do is build real connections. And some of those connections evolve into friendships. But some of those connections, we're very clear on what the relationship dynamic is. And we don't try to make it be something that it's not. I think the other thing that I love about the dynamic of our relationship and what I have with a lot of other people and a lot of them happen to be women in this industry is that we support each other, but we're also real with each other. So like I'm a client for both of you and you both know, like if your product is not the best, I'm going to go to the other guy, but I'm also going to let you know, Hey, you got to step your game up in this. That's what support looks like. And I think some people would look at it like, well, I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to critique them, but I know I can come to both of you and be candid and open. And it's like this mutually beneficial, you're going to tell me about me, I'm going to tell you about you, and we're going to all push to be better. So getting to that place with people, it takes a leap of faith. And sometimes it turns out really well, and sometimes it doesn't. And you learn a lesson and you start to learn signs of how certain types of people that you need to avoid going forward or what role they fit in your life. And I think the last part of that was around taking the jobs that no one else wanted. I think it's not just the taking the jobs that no one else wanted. It's being able to see each role for what it is. And that's the difference from taking the box or the title, but really looking at the experience. So what will this experience lend me? I typically coach people on what's the story you'll tell about this experience when you're in an interview? And how does that differentiate you from your peer set? Because really what's the difference between me and my peer set or my ability to be successful is that I've got differentiated experiences that set me apart from others, that uniquely positioned me to be able to do certain things that other people can't. And so if you evaluate it from that lens, the dumpster fire of that role actually could be the opening door to something that's pretty great and awesome. That's what 
category management and insights was for me. That's what digital commerce was for me and has been for me. And I think the folks and, you know, we've had this conversation before in digital commerce that have really heavy operational experience, but also have that digital commerce experience are really thriving in the industry right now that's looking for leaders that have a different profile. Completely agree. The marriage of the operational expertise, well, as well as the domain expertise. I just want to pick on one thing you said like two minutes ago, because I think it's a PSA for the collective industry. Sarah and I are so appreciative of your constant candid feedback about both of our businesses. The best thing that a customer could ever do is provide honest feedback on what the other vendor on the other side needs to do to meet their business needs. Even if that results in the relationship ends and you go on to work with a competitor, the best thing that you could ever leave that management team with is with the advice on what you feel they should build or do from a service standpoint. So I just want to thank you, Diana, for always doing that for Sarah and I. And we hope that the rest of the industry can follow suit. But that it's also not a very altruistic thing. Selfishly, I'm doing that because of the fact, if you think about the nature of the relationship, we sign a contract, we're going to get these goods and services. We make this exchange. But if I'm going to get the most out of the partnership, I've got to give you a value exchange that is beyond just the price. So if I can give you feedback from my team, if I can give you product feedback, if I can say, hey, here's an idea I have, I want to take it to the next level. Can you support me with that? Then I'm getting more than the value from just the mere words on the page of the contract that we said. So as much as I can say it's out of the goodness of my heart of being a good partner, it's really, I want to maximize the most of our partnerships. And this day and age, you can't operate in a silo. You can't do it all alone. And I think if somebody takes something away, the biggest lesson from this is if you're trying to do it all alone, you're going to fail. And if you don't figure out how to manage your partnerships, your relationships to maximize them, you're not going to be able to succeed. And I look at your team's as extensions of my team. So while we also work together and we partner, I also have to hold you accountable. And how can I add value that's going to make you the next time you have a cool idea and look for a partner, pick me over some other client that you have. That's probably a competitor of mine. So as much as it is for your benefit, there's a value proposition for the brands as well too. In the end, I think this kind of comes down to whether it's in your relationships with people as a mentor, as a mentee, and your relationships in business. If I had to like pick one word on all of this, it's about mutual alignment. Well, that's two words actually, but it's alignment. Ultimately, it's like, it's in your best interest to give us feedback. It's in our best interest to hear your feedback because we need each other in order for this whole thing to work. About 10, 15 years ago, the, the person who was the CMO of Mondelez at the time, her name was Dana Anderson. She used to tell me when I was agency said, she says, agencies get the clients they deserve, clients get the agencies they deserve. It just kind of all ties back to that whole concept of, are we in alignment or are we not? Because if we're not, why are we wasting our time? Let's go find places where we can't find that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think a critical part of the people skills that it takes to move up is understanding people's motivators. If you understand what motivates different groups, different individuals, and you're honest about what your motivators are, you can work together to support and help each other. That's not um, a bad thing. And I think we often keep that type of information close to our vest. So like for me, I will say about me personally as an individual, and my boss will laugh at me, but he, yes, knows this, like I'm motivated by money influence and power. I love those three things for me. And there's a reason why like money, you know, I'm working on reestablishing the financial wealth 
just by being black in the United States was not afforded to me. And so it's my duty to think about that for my community, but also for my son, my nieces, and to make sure I'm prioritizing that. Influence in roles like the roles that I'm typically in, where you have like the dumpster fire, or it's the new area that people don't really understand and you have to get people and galvanize people behind them. If you can't influence, if you don't have that reach within the organization to get people to drive change, then it's going to be really hard to accomplish your objectives and empower. Because in some instances, yes, I can convince you, I am passionate, I can get followership, but at some instances at some crossroads, you just need the power to be able to get the thing done that you need to get done. But especially when you're doing things like this that are scary for a lot of individuals. Those are three things that are really important to me and are motivators for me to keep going. And if you're not keyed in on what your motivators are and you're not honest to yourself about them, then that's a challenge. And if you can't say them out loud, without people really connecting with them and understanding them, but with people really judging them, then those are your people. And so you just have to really understand the environment that you're in and remove yourself from environments that they don't allow you to achieve your potential, but also to achieve your motivators, which are critical. Diana, you and I can relate on the money aspect. I once told a mentor, the only place I want to see my name is on a check. (laughs) We have to ask you our famous last question, and you cannot answer it the same way that you once did. So I hope you have a new answer. I struggled with this one. So go ahead and ask it. And let me see if I get it right. (laughs) So Diana, what is the second bravest thing that you've ever done? Okay, well, the second bravest thing I've done, I would have to say is, is knowing when to stay. I've been at Colgate now for two years. I've just talked a little bit around um, being clear on your boundaries and removing yourself from places that don't value you. But I think especially for women, especially for Black women who often are in those situations and have to remove yourself, you also have to be mindful of when there are the green flags. So when there are there healthy environments that warrant your presence, when are there opportunities for you to set healthy boundaries and to drive something forward? And when is it actually worth sticking around and seeing it through? And I think because of the fact that we've been so conditioned to to stay in environments that don't feed or fuel us, it's sometimes hard to find those environments that are worth staying, especially from a generational thing. And, And I see this as I mentor and coach more of the folks that are in Gen Z, knowing when to stay can be the biggest challenge. But for me, I've decided not only is this something I want to see all the way through, but I see the potential for my own growth and for the growth of people around me by staying. And why is that so brave? Well, because it's easy, especially for somebody who's motivated by money to go chase a check. It's easy for someone who right now is highly marketable to be courted and go after that next great thing. But to recognize the fact that you're in something good, there's an opportunity to build, is also a risk. So I'm excited to feel like I'm taking that calculated risk right now and making the brave choice to stay. Great answer for your second bravery. Well, folks, if you're not following Diana Hosling on LinkedIn, give her a follow. She is absolutely one to watch. Diana for president, and thank you for your time. Thank you both for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a listen at some other great leaders that Sarah and I have profiled. Shelly Zalas, 
of Female Quotient, Essie, Bracey, Bregelstein of Unilever, and many more. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend, write us a review. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.